You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you this morning. Continuing the Luke series, I just wanted to mention I brought some of these uh, Bible study booklets. Uh, these ones contain the um, five Bible studies in uh, the Gospel of Luke. It's not today's study, however, it's the next uh, set of five uh, studies which we're doing in chapters 13 to 14. So if you want to grab one of those, you can use it for yourself, or if you're in part of a Bible study group, that would be great. It's been a difficult week for all of us here at uh, Pascova with the funeral of um, Rena during the week. I have fond memories of her and uh, the real sadness at uh, seeing her uh, pass away. Um, and while she did, of course, have a brain tumour, we were aware of that, uh, it really was a very sudden death. As a, a young wife and a young mother, uh, it is hard for all those involved and for us as a community as well. Yet, you know, she was just an encouragement, wasn't she? Um, we heard during the funeral about her um, great love for her family and uh, for her great love for Jesus. And uh, what echoes, you know, I think with me was just her faith in God, her trust in God. Such a trust that she would trust her family to God, whether she was here or not. And um, trusted her own soul to God as well. She truly saw Jesus here on earth, didn't she? And um, now she is with Jesus in heaven. And uh, that's a great comfort to, uh, to me, certainly, and to uh, many of us. We give thanks for, for her and for her life. Now, today we're doing our fourth sermon in this series, looking at uh, uh, Luke chapters 12 all the way to 14. And, and today we're doing the final 11 verses in uh, Luke chapter 12. Jesus has been giving his disciples these various pictures. They're like tattoos of what it's going to be like, you know, uh, to follow Jesus after he's gone. And today we're looking at another tattoo. The importance of faith when you know that judgment is coming. What a picture. So uh, let's just pray as we hear God's word. Open our hearts, God, um, at the joy and at the wonder and at the truth of your mighty word. And uh, give us a real hunger and a love for your word more than more. And help us to live it out too in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 12 started off with Jesus giving his disciples this warning about uh, don't fear people, uh, but rather and instead have a fear of God. That's what should control our lives. And then he went on, he uh, talked about uh, that we need to seek God's kingdom in our lives. Put it first, number one, rather than you know, other things, you know, all the other stuff in this in this earth, you know, riches and fame and glory and stuff like that. And last week, uh, Jesus warned his disciples to be ready for his second coming. He's coming again. And we need to be ready for that. He said, be faithful always and be ready right now. 
And then we come now to these final 11 verses in this chapter. And Jesus again makes this dramatic appeal to his disciples. But this time he also includes the crowd very specifically. Um, I heard this story. It was about this uh, group of uh, young soldiers. It's about this group of young soldiers and they were getting trained and at this time that was the first time they were getting trained about doing their very first parachute jump. So that's a, a pretty big deal, isn't it? And the sergeant there, he was telling them, you know, how to make absolutely sure that they open their reserve chute if their main chute fails. And there was this uh, private there and he was a really nervous young guy and he puts his hand up just to ask the sergeant a question. Um, and he says, well, Sergeant, if, if the main chute fails, how long have I got to pull the reserve chute? And the sergeant looks him straight in the eye. And he says, the rest of your life, soldier, the rest of your life. How true that is, hey? Well, if you were jumping out of an aeroplane and your main chute fails... It sounds like a really, really good time to make sure that you are ready for eternity. And uh, that's what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Are you ready for eternity now, today? Are you ready? Well, I've divided this passage into three headings. First of all, we're going to look at uh, why Jesus brings division between people. Uh, secondly, we're going to look at... Uh, how we need to understand what God is doing ourselves rather than relying on other people for that. And thirdly, we need to settle our accounts with God now, today. Not leave it till later on. So let's begin with the first few verses, verses 49 to 53. Jesus brings division. Now the first couple of verses here, now Jesus says them with so much passion and, and, and emotion. The first thing he says is, I have come to cast fire on the earth. Wow. They're deep words. William Barclay, who's a very well-known theologian, he said that in Jewish thought, fire is almost always a symbol of judgment. And however much we might wish to eliminate judgment uh, out of um, from the message of Jesus, it remains stubbornly and unalterably there. Judgment. Jesus' coming, it says here, is like fire. You can reject him, you can even ignore Jesus, and you'll be judged based on your own life, your own sin. And you'll be burned up like chaff. Or you can accept Jesus. Accept his death on the cross for yourself. And he'll purify your life like fire purifies gold. It looks beautiful after it's been purified. But it goes through a tremendous process. But you know, the one thing you can't do is remain neutral. Jesus draws a line down the road. That's what happens when the gospel is, is preached. It divides people. Some accept it and others don't. 
Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but his death on the cross causes that line in the road to be drawn. Because his death presents us with a choice. And that choice highlights to us God's judgment. To be forgiven or to die for our own sins. And then uh, Jesus uh, goes on to uh, verse 50. Um, If we could have the next one, that's great. Whenever Jesus talks about his baptism, he's always talking about his death on the cross. That's the reason he came to the earth. It's to save us from our sins. We see Jesus' anguish here in this verse. I long for my work on the cross to be over and finished. You know, He knows he needs to do it. He knows it's important. It needs to be done. It's going to cause him a lot of anguish, a lot of stress. So he wishes that it was already finished and completed. The sooner the better. And then Jesus asks the first of three questions. Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Now we get shocked a bit by those words, don't we? Isn't Jesus meant to be the Prince of Peace, you know, the non-violent one, always forgiving, always loving? And, you know, his audience here, the the, uh, people of Israel, I mean, the Jewish idea at that time was that the Messiah would come and he would defeat all of the enemies of Israel and then bring in this wonderful age of peace. Our society. I mean, our society thinks that Christians shouldn't confront anyone, you know, about judgment. Don't talk about judgment. Peace at any price. That's uh, Jesus. He should just be, no, he should never force anybody to make any hard kind of decisions at all, except maybe to help the poor. Jesus, you know, he did come to bring peace, but not the kind of peace that we're thinking of. He came to bring us peace with God. Now, that's the peace that the Bible talks about. That's the peace that we want. That's the peace that we need in our lives and in our hearts. And then when we have peace um, with God, then we can have peace with people who love God. But you know, it doesn't bring peace between people who love God and people who reject God, people who hate God. There are people who hate God and they hate people who love God. Because, you see, when you live a righteous life in front of people, it shows up their own sin, it shows up their own guilt. And people don't always like that. They don't always like to be shown their own sin. They hate it. Then Jesus uses Micah chapter 7 and verse 6. Thank you. And this verse shows us that the gospel brings division even within families, let alone our society 
or between different people groups. Uh, that's in verses 52 to 53. We've got to follow Jesus even above our family. And that's not easy when you come from a family-oriented culture like myself and like Israel uh, was at that time. And you know, when you tell your family who have nothing to do with Jesus that you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to be criticised like I was. Or even more, you might be totally rejected. You might be shunned or thrown out of your family or perhaps even much worse than that. And the more devoted you become to Jesus, the more conflicts that happen between you and your family members or you and other people. As J.C. Ryle said, it's not the gospel that's to blame for those kinds of divisions that happen between people, but rather the corrupt heart of man, the corrupt heart of men and women. Now, uh, a week or so ago, it was Australia Day, which uh, brings some tensions, actually, into our community, doesn't it? Because, you know, there's been so many past hurts that have happened in this country. Fighting and war between nations, of course, happens, but it also happens within a nation between different groups of people, and that's what's happened in Australia. And those hurts can remain. Peace on earth is impossible without God. You know, the great message that we have is that we can be reconciled with one another. We can have peace between people, no matter what has happened between us in the past. But only as the hearts of men and women are changed by God. Only when we have peace with God can we possibly have peace between one another as well. And that's, I mean, that's what we want for all Australians. We want them to have peace with God so that they can also have peace between one another. Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready now? Uh, Secondly, uh, understanding what God's doing. Now, verses 54 to 56. Uh, Jesus asks here his second question. Why don't you know how to interpret the present time? Now, Jesus had been speaking directly to his disciples, but now he turns directly to the crowd and he talks to them because he's got this urgent message for them. He wants to wake them up to themselves. You guys, you're, you're great at predicting the weather. You know that when the cloud rises up in the uh, west, then you know that rain is coming. And that's because you know, the Mediterranean Ocean was in the west of Israel. And when the wind blows down from the south and uh, comes up, you know that it's going to be scorching heat because to the south of Israel, of course, is the Arabian Desert. And it happens. It's not just that they make a good prediction... It's certain. They know it'll happen. And it does. You hypocrites, he says. You know what happens with the weather? You just look around you and you can work it out. So why can't you work out what I'm doing here today, here at the present time? Now just think a minute about what's happened in Israel at this time. 
And just a while back, they'd had the greatest prophet ever. John the Baptist had been there among them, preaching about the coming of Jesus. Everybody had heard of John the Baptist. They knew what he'd done. They heard his teaching. Then Jesus comes along. Jesus himself comes along doing these incredible miracles. Just try to imagine for a moment, how many people did Jesus heal during this time? It must have been thousands. And just right here in the Gospel of Luke, a few chapters before, Jesus had brought back from the dead two people, the son of a widow in Nan, Luke chapter 7, and Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8. All the signs of the Messiah were with him. Yet, they go and listen to him, they see his miracles, and then they go home and life just goes on as normal. You know, it's not that they didn't understand. They'd read the scriptures. They knew the Messiah. They knew the signs. But they were unwilling They didn't want to know about it. They didn't want to change how they were living their lives. You see, Jesus was the perfect man who kept the law perfectly. Yet he was always in conflict with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, because he wouldn't keep their man-made rules. But likewise, the Pharisees wouldn't obey God even when he was standing straight in front of them. Because their man-made rules was too important to them. They loved them a whole lot more. I'm sure you know a lot of smart people in your life. People who are spiritually illiterate. They're negative about the Christian faith, yet they haven't even read the Bible for themselves. So willing to accept what other people say uh, about God. They don't want to hear the truth because really, they don't want to change how they're living their lives. They like it as they're living it now. You know, people plan for retirement. Uh, How am I going to manage, you know, all those retirement years? They get prepared for it. They get educated. They get advice. Yet how much time do people spend Thinking about life after death. I mean, why are people so careless about God? I mean, some people, to some people, Jesus is just a swear word. They mock him. They live a careless life, or maybe much worse than a careless life. They do it intentionally. And then, you know, at the end of their life, they think, Jesus will be my friend. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't wait for God's judgment to come. Use your brains. Judge for yourself. Now let me ask you. I mean, if you were God, would your attitude towards God, would the way that you are living in your life right now, satisfy you? If you were God. I mean, if you live clearly against 
what God says, then what's the future likely to be for you? Next slide, please. What's the future likely to be? You know, it's not a tough question, actually. Not a tough question at all. Are you ready for eternity now? My third point is uh, settle accounts with God now, verses 57 to 59. And here Jesus gives his third question. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Jesus says to the crowd, judge for yourselves. Don't let religious leaders do all the thinking for you. Don't just accept whatever they say. God's giving you understanding yourself. God's giving you a conscience. Use it. Um, use it for yourself. Learn for yourself. Think for yourself. Take ownership. Take responsibility. I mean, it's your own soul. Don't go with the crowd. Don't depend on what other people tell you. Isn't it time that you made up your own mind? It's your life. It's your eternity. Take responsibility for it. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, stop procrastinating. Stop putting off making a decision until tomorrow. I mean, if you keep doing that, you're going to get to the point where it's no longer going to be your decision to make. Don't wait until the day of judgment. Your life is finished then. Don't wait until it's out of your own hands. No more room for discussion. No time to think more about it. No time to understand or change the way you live. You've lived out your life. Now God will judge you. Jesus says in verse 58, make an effort. <laughs> That's a really good statement, actually. It is an effort, isn't it? Making time to seek God in your own life, to, to read God's word for yourself, to understand more about God. To understand what he wants from your life. You know, important things take time, don't they? And I mean, life after death is rather important, isn't it? There's nothing more important than that. There really isn't. In verse 58, Jesus says, let's settle out of court. I'm making you an offer of forgiveness now. I've bought it with my own life on the cross. Take this offer now. That way, at the end of your life, you're going to be judged on what I've done for you. That's the gospel. It's a wonderful, good news story. A wonderful offer. Take it now. There's no time to wait. None of us know what the future holds. Speak to Jesus now. While you can. Now, while you have the opportunity. Now when you can put your faith and your trust in him. Now when your life can change. Don't keep on waiting. Because one day, one day there will be no time left. 
And you're going to be judged on what you've done alone. And then it goes on to verse 59. I'm telling you, you'll never escape judgment. There's no escape from hell. There's no purgatory. You either trust in Jesus, death on the cross for your sins, or you pay for them yourself. It's not about making you know, a promise to just live a better life. That's not what Jesus is asking for here. He's saying, put your life in my hands. Put your faith in me. Trust me. Follow me. Love me. And what, is, you know, what does all this mean for you and for me as Christian people, for those of us who are Christians? We've also got a big job to do. We've got an urgent job to do, don't we? We need to tell other people about Jesus. I mean, it's a life or death matter. I at least need to give people a chance, an opportunity to hear about Jesus, to be able to respond to Jesus, to choose to follow Jesus. Otherwise, otherwise, I know what their eternity will be without Jesus. And it's not good. You know, if you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, you're a bit like that soldier plunging towards the earth. You don't know how long you've got before you hit the ground. Maybe you think you've got plenty of time. When do I accept Jesus' death on the cross for myself? When do I trust in Jesus and enjoy peace with God? How long do I wait? The answer is always the same. You've got the rest of your life, soldier. The rest of your life. But of course, none of us know what tomorrow will bring. And the sergeant there, he's saying the same thing that Jesus is saying. Pull that reserve chute now, before it's too late. Don't wait any longer. Now is the time to pull it. Let me end with uh, verse 57. Jesus is saying to you, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Don't leave here today without getting right with God. Now, if you want to know how to do that, you can come and speak with me or any of the leaders here at Pasco Vale Church or maybe you have a Christian friend that you would like to talk to about it. And we've got materials here that can help you as well. Or you can ask any member of the church here to read the Bible with you. That's a great way to get to know more about God. Are you ready for eternity now, today? This is the question that Jesus is asking you. Let's pray. Lord God, 
we want to thank you so much. If it wasn't for you, then our eyes would never be opened. None of us would be able to understand all that is that Jesus has done for us. How careless we've been in our lives, and we still are very much so, because we don't um, think about you enough, Lord. We don't think about eternity. We're so fixated on this life and the here and now, our own gratification. Thank you that you opened our eyes to see Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us. We want to pray, Lord, for our neighbours and our friends and people in the city here of Melbourne and people in Australia and, and beyond Australia too, that you will open their eyes as well to see the reality, to see beyond this world, to see, to see heaven, to see your forgiveness, to see your love. We pray that they will come to see these things, which are eternal. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.